0: You are listening to the Jobbers Court Podcast, a podcast for wrestling fans old and new. Court is now in session. Welcome to episode 13, that's technically episode 15, because we didn't label our Wrestlemania stuff, of Jobber's Court. Um, like always, I'm Rasquatch King of Jobber's Court, here with my two courtsmen, if you will, the Knights of the Round Table, which I've, yes, I've promoted you to Knights finally after 13 episodes. Uh Cedric, the...
1: About time.
0: Yeah, the wise old owl of wrestling, or wow, and... Uh, Whoa. the man of thousand and four nicknames, what are you going by today?
1: Alright, well since we're, uh, gonna be taking a little more of a hardcore turn later on in this episode, I'm gonna go, uh, with the King of Houkstream.
0: King of Houkstream? That's okay. right. sounds good. Otherwise you would have been like Houkdiss Jack or something. Who knows? Hauksaw,
1: right.
0: Jim Duggan. Hauksaw, Jim Duggan. Oh, USA! Wow. Well, oh. in, <laughs> in addition to the two uh, gentlemen we, we almost always have, um, Cedric was able to get us a special guest today. So, Cedric, tell us uh, about our guest.
2: Alrighty. Um, our special guest for tonight, for our, for our podcast, episode 13, is a gentleman that I pretty much met virtually Uh, I've been following a lot of euresignews.com, and every single time I would read most of the comments on the articles, I would always get so upset at, not much common sense with the comments. But there was a few, there was a handful of folks that stood out, and definitely he stood out as one of the ones that definitely had had an understanding and, and a common sense knowledge and approach to the business. So I went ahead. Send out a message. Hey, would you like to join us? He said yes, and I'm really happy to say that we have Bert Hart with us tonight. How's it going?
3: Well, gentlemen,
0: thanks for having me. All right, Bert Hart. If that's really your real name, <laughs> tell us about <laughs> yourself.
3: Well, uh, Bert Hart. Uh, I guess you could say it's a bit of a gimmick name, but we're we're going with that one there. Um, I'm from Bizarro land. As we know in the wrestling world, so that I'm a damn dirty Canadian.
0: <laughs> well, Cedric, um, we should probably get him primed and ready for the court, right?
1: Indoctrination.
2: Oh, most Give me one second, let me, first of all, I gotta do a disclaimer just in case we, I hope, hopefully we didn't lose nobody on our last episode when I said we're gonna kill a virgin. No, we did not. So no virgins were hurt <laughs> during this podcast. Totally, campaign. Yeah, campaign. None of the podcasts, just in case we have to say things like this because that's the kind of world we live in. But yeah. having said that,
1: mm-hmm. oh, well, getting into character in my presence of the regal one.
3: What is
0: that? i pretty good. Well. Welcome to Jobber's Court. You've officially been indoctrinated, and you are welcome to join the round table. Well, that was an honor.
3: Thank you. <laughs> that was something. <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't know what. It was something.
2: That's what. normally what they all say. I don't know what, it, what that was, but it was something. Well, Should i
0: accuse another it, You.
3: you I, I swear, Cedric, you're,
0: you're like one of the druids, and you know, then you can come out with The Undertaker. It'd be pretty good.
2: Uh, uh, all right, Bert. This is a question that that we've pretty much be, It's become a tradition that we ask our first time guests to the to the to the show, and it's it's simple. What moment a wrestler got you interested as a fan of wrestling? What was that? What is that that you remember? It could be it could literally be anything, but how how long ago and when did you become truly a, a fan of wrestling?
3: Well, with with that, I mean, I grew up watching WWF when I was younger. I mean, uh, a lot of the kids on my street, we'd all get together, we'd watch um, like the Saturday night programs, things like that. Uh, the first wrestler, though, that I really admired was actually the one that inspired my take off of my gimmick name, uh, Bret Hart, of course, because he's a fellow Canadian and I just, I've always admired his style of wrestling and I've really enjoyed it. I mean, he and Chris Benoit were two of my favorite wrestlers of all time, along with Chris Jericho, I guess. But, but yeah, that was kind of it. Um, I fell off for a little while there in the mid nineties, but I picked up again during the attitude era. And since then I've just been watching consistently and, and moved on just, not just from Dodo yet, but to everything else I could sink my teeth and do really. I just love professional wrestling. Yeah. I knew I liked but, uh, this guy.
0: Another Bret Hart fan. <laughs>
2: That's right. Yeah, King, King Vasquash is a huge Bret Hart fan, and, right. and I think deep down inside, I think most most fans are, even the ones that claim to hate him, I think we all, yeah. who who could not fall in love with his, his technical wrestling. Bret,
0: Bret Hart is the only wrestler that gets higher than a 4 out of 10.
3: I mean, say what you want about his attitude and how people complain that he's still bitter, blah, 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 kind of stuff. I mean, you can't really deny his skill and his ability and what he's done for the business. So it's it's one of those things you can't help but respect the guy.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I always just appreciated the realism that he brought Yeah, at the time when it didn't have to look real because they'd already said it wasn't. He still took the time to make sure that, that everything looked good. So I always appreciated that.
3: Exactly. I always like it when everything a guy does has a purpose and that's another thing I admire about him. Cool. Mm
2: -hmm. That definitely, that definitely seems to be the one thing the, some of the younger wrestlers that we've had on our, on our show, when, when we asked them like why they wrestle and why do they wrestle the way they do, they, they always mentioned that the one thing that trainers always put out in their minds was any move that you do, make sure that Is the best move. Is the one move that other fans are gonna leave thinking about, and that's the one thing I I always thought about Bret Hart. You know, he took the time to learn the the business and make it look good. And we've we've seen a few wrestlers that even though they've gone to kind of legendary status, if you will, it doesn't seem like they're taking the time to learn that side of the business, which is the in in ring performance. So, how, how not to appreciate that?
0: Well, not to stay too long on the topic of Bret Hart, but. I watched Wrestling with Shadows again. I I hadn't seen it in a long time. And the description that he gives of walking into his house and hearing the screams coming out of the basement, you know, that type of stuff where his dad was down there stretching guys, training guys, it just, to me, always made me appreciate where he came from more. And, And all those guys that trained in the dungeon really made me appreciate those guys because... Obviously, they, they were trained on, on how to hurt people. They were trained on how to protect yourself, like, legitimately. So, always had a lot of respect for those guys.
1: Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Absolutely. <laughs> now, on to, uh, better things. You, you got anything else for,
2: uh, for Burr before we get started? It's definitely, I, I have a question and, and, and truly take, take it for, for, for what it is, you know. Because I'm, I'm going to respectfully ask this, and I've been a fan of your your comments. I've always admired you take the time to type not not a one sentence. You've you've had one sentence responses, but for the most part, when it's a is a topic that you feel passionate about, you've taken the time to explain yourself in more than one occasion. To be honest, where does that passion come from? Where does where does that passion end? And that knowledge, that understanding that you have towards the business, where, where does that, that that come from?
3: I think it's just a mixture of things, to be honest. I mean, like I said before, I just I really love the wrestling business in general. But uh, I also I'm an English student by heart as well, so I've done a lot of writing myself. So I it's a matter of understanding not only how to tell a story in the ring, but outside as well. So I appreciate when situations are told logically. Like for example, storylines. It doesn't matter if they're kind of absurd or kind of wacky, as long as things make sense within the situation. So that's why I, I get kind of passionate sometimes when I'm typing about um, these angles and things going on that I think are ridiculous. But at least I, I try and explain myself of why I've arrived at this conclusion logically. And it's not just a matter of this sucks and, and it's, it's it's more like, well, here's why. Because I'm just presenting my opinion I, I recognize everyone has their own opinion, and I appreciate it. I just like it when someone takes the time to explain why they feel that way.
2: do yeah. you think some of
0: the I'm sorry oh no, I was just gonna say i I think that's the worst thing on a lot of the sites are just people regurgitating the same things over and over again, and nobody really even puts any thought into anything anymore um, sometimes I even get tired of trolling people because it's just not fun anymore because they just regurgitate the same stuff over and over again. So
1: Yeah. Roman Reigns sucks. Why does Roman Reigns suck? Because he sucks.
3: Yeah, he sucks. Can't well, talk about it the funny
1: there's microphone. plenty of reasons that.
3: Yeah. Exactly. That's a great example. I've railed on Roman Reigns quite a few times actually, admittedly, but uh I always try and support why. I mean, the fact of the matter is I just don't feel he is right for the spot that he's in, especially after two and a half years of this consistent push, but... But that's a different subject. So Sure. And I'd just say this. I'm probably the
0: one that's probably the biggest Roman Reigns fan, probably the four of us here. And to me, it's all about the creative and the, the way they use him. I mean, Goldberg had practically no skill as a wrestler, none. But it was the way that he was booked and the way that they presented him that was that allure that made him so popular. And it's just like they forgot how to
3: do that. I don't know. Weird stuff. Absolutely. That's, I completely agree. And that's kind of going back to my point earlier about if you can at least give me a reason why this makes sense in a storyline sense, then that's fine. I mean, but presenting him as the best wrestler in the company as this super baby face, like it's, it doesn't work because it's just, it's not him. Yeah. But it's not to say he can't be a main event player, but you got to go about it in the right way. Yep. We just want to see more. You know, domination and one-liners.
0: That's really what we need.
3: <laughs> yeah, I actually her. I like the direction they're going with him now, to be yeah, honest. Me too. Like him just coming out there, kind of being yeah. apathetic against the crowd. Um, I don't like that, the fact that he has to repeat that same line every night, but, <laughs> I, I mean. I, I actually think he's doing it
0: now just to get heat,
3: like, legitimately. I think he just keeps if it. If he is, then good it. for him. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> or at least I'd like to think that. But. Yeah, let's let's go with that. We'll give him a bit of credit.
1: <laughs> uh, <laughs> come on, guys. Come on, guys.
3: <laughs> Not a bad guy. I mean, I'll, I'll take that over Magic Beans any day, so. Yeah. Or <laughs> Tater Tots. Or Tater Tots, yeah. Oh, uh, that's
0: still my favorite. I, I laughed pretty hard at the Tater Tots thing, but... Maybe that's just my uh, memories of Taco John's coming back. I, I don't know. Which, they could sponsor us, by the way. I'd support them. But, uh... Yeah, <laughs> anyway, um, so before we move on, I just want to give a little preview of what we're going to be talking about today, um, kind of a subject near and dear to a lot of our hearts we've talked about a lot, just not on the podcast, and that's going to be off-seasons in pro wrestling, what are, what are some of the pros and cons of it, um, we're going to give our thoughts on these uh, payback network special. that's going to be coming up, and then... We have another match of the week. It's going to be my selection. Uh, we'll get into that a little bit later. And then, of course, we're bringing back the fantasy booking after a few-week hiatus. So, Bert, you ready to go? I'm good to go. Awesome. Well, I guess as our guest, um, you go ahead and lead us off on the subject of uh, seasons in pro wrestling What's your opinion on them? Obviously, we have Lucha Underground that does the seasonal-based wrestling. Um, most of the other TV wrestling is year-round. Do you think it would be a benefit to a company to to kind of do their wrestling in terms of seasons, or no?
3: That's a tough one. I mean, I think that there are definitely pros and cons with it. Uh, the pros for it, you give guys time off, so they're not constantly injuring themselves. I mean, look at the situation that WWE's in right now, where all these guys are on the shelf, and who knows if maybe having them get some extra time off to recuperate would make a difference or not, um, but it is an opportunity to kind of give people a bit of rest. Uh, also gives you a chance to keep the storylines fresh, because Lord knows that even with their 28 writers they have now, they're they're not doing that great of a job fleshing out the stories for everyone on the roster.
0: Sure. Um, do you like the way... Luch Underground is filmed, though. You get that season and then you get like six months or so or they get back into it. Do you think that that kind of keeps that, that hunger, that, that want for the product a little bit higher so you're more excited when it comes
3: back? I think it could. It does run the risk of having people kind of forget a little bit of what's been going on. But that's where the fact that the company is so huge with WWE... They could do things, for example, in rotation. I mean, they have NXT running at the same time as WWE main roster. And then you've got, you could potentially do a Raw and SmackDown brand. You could rotate those or anything like that. They've, they've got a lot of stuff to put on the air in the meantime and, and keep you going and keep you updated on what happened last time and what'll be coming up. But, uh, I don't think it's been too much to the detriment of Lucha Underground because I mean, look at the fan base for that. It, it's already big and it's still, it's still growing. Mm-hmm.
0: And I said and they're only second season and it's yeah. growing to be, I'd say the, probably the third most popular in the United States right now, but continues to get more and more fans. Hopefully they just don't spend all their money and they're able to actually continue because the shows have been great. Yeah, I've really been enjoying it. If you were gonna pitch an off season type thing,
3: how would you do it? For WWE in general?
0: Yeah.
3: Um, I would probably structure the way I'm saying is um, I would probably do main roster as part of one season and then the following season air NXT because people are are really loving NXT lately and for good reason. So that still gives you WWE programming on TV regularly. Other than that, I I don't think there'd be much more of a, a pitch needed. You could just highlight the pros of... Letting guys rest, you can utilize them more for public appearances, um, more Make-A-Wish stuff because WWE already does a lot with that. But it, it reflects well on the company from a business standpoint to have your superstars doing a lot of charitable work and things like that. So it's an advantage for your image as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think that the other guys will uh, will agree that wrestlers work too much, like especially the ones in the WWE. And that's a lot of days they're working. There's a, there are guys in the indie circuit, though, that will wrestle two, three times a day, you know, but then they wrestle once a week, but they'll wrestle three matches. So kind of, you know, depends on the situation, but for the most part, these elite athletes are having to travel, perform, and do that, you know, so many days a year. Cedric, what do you think about off-seasons in wrestling?
2: I was Before I answer that, I was just going to say that I have one last question I was going to ask you, Bert, but I really think that with your response, you kind of answered it for myself and for all of of our listeners. And I was going to ask you if people had kind of like a bad bad idea of you because many of the comments that I read, a lot of the times they, they mention, like, well, you're always being so negative. You're always being so negative. But just listening to your response, I'm like, and even the things that you've answered before, I don't think necessarily is being too negative. Sometimes it's just the truth. A lot of folks want to be optimistic. Uh, and it's not that there's nothing wrong with that. But when that, when you're being almost blind optimistic on something that really there's no reason why to believe that way just because you want to. I think some of the folks probably have gotten uh, a wrong idea of, of who you are. And I'm, and I'm actually glad that you're here on, the, on our podcast answering these few topics because it'll, it'll give the listeners and and insight how, how you really, how your mind really works. Just wanted to share that with you.
3: Oh, I appreciate you saying that. And uh, I mean, that's a point that I, I didn't touch on either in my response earlier was, yeah, I, I do get a lot of heat sometimes for saying I'm overly negative or I'm just a, a hater or whatever they say. But uh, the fact of the matter is all I'm, I keep saying it too. All I really ask for is just a little bit of logic and have have the booking make sense, and utilize the guys that you have. That's what irks me so much. And when I highlight the fact that they could definitely use a lot of the mid-card guys better, and I try to explain myself and why and, and not come across as too negative, but I know it reflects that way sometimes. But but really, like you said, a lot of it is just people being overly optimistic. I mean, there comes a point where is it worse to be negative about the product or is it worse to be overly optimistic about something that really isn't that great of a product sometimes? I think I've told the guys before, you know.
2: I it, it, it guess my my one thing that I've always that I've said before in, the, in, in previous podcasts is we are fans, and and saying something negative or critiquing, even if it's a really hard critique or a difficult critique for someone, that's very positive to hear. I don't think there's nothing wrong with that, but like I, I've read folks that just they hate so much on the product that. It almost sounds like you just don't enjoy it. Like if you truly don't enjoy it day in and day out, week after week, then maybe it's time to move on. Cause it's gotten to a point where there's certain things that we notice are not going to change. But I think these past few weeks, we have seen some change. Why, why is it happening now? Why is it, is it to push more the, the Shane McMahon being in charge angle storyline? Maybe, but we can clearly see even with the way things are in NXT, there is still, I hate to use this word, but there's still hope for a WWE that might not reflect what we had before, but it'll be a good positive one. I guess it's just giving it time. So that I just wanted to share that with with the folks. You know that it might sound negative, but you obviously given you always given your point of view as to why you think the way you think. And I always realize this man just wants a logical, make sense storyline. And I'm glad that you're here to be able to
3: just share with the folks. Hey, this is who I am. You know, so. Yeah, well, thanks for having me on. I mean, at the heart of it, I'm just I'm a huge fan of professional wrestling in all forms. So it comes from a place of passion, really. And that's
2: that's definitely. I never doubted that, reading or listening to you now on our podcast. But going going back to the question on the on the off and on season, there's really not much more to add. If you really if you agree with what Bert said, and I and I and I do, um, def, definitely with all the injuries that some of the, their top players sustained, and even just as as early as Bray Wyatt not not too long ago in this tour that we're having overseas, I definitely think that uh, on and off season would help. Not just completely shut it off uh, at Lucha Underground, because yes, definitely not, we all know that not everybody who pays their hard-earned money either for a seat or for the app or as hardcore hard fans as we are, so I, I can see a few folks probably disappearing if they don't continue to get from WWE or just or just going to another another company and just forgetting in general WWE. So definitely, I, I agree. Using your mid-card wrestlers, some way, somehow, putting in NXT to fill in during the time that they're on the break, at least the the, the top stars. We've all been hearing the rumors for quite a a few already of a potential brand split. So, anything that will keep the the company going, the brand going, but definitely give rest to some of the wrestlers, that definitely is a welcome. I'm pretty sure they will welcome it. You know, they're still getting paid because they're under contract, but definitely their bodies can heal better. They can definitely, those that have family, can definitely spend more time with their families. We've we've read so many times from the Older generation of wrestlers, how you know divorces and stuff like that was such a big thing. So definitely, having a strong family unity would definitely be benefit from some time off. So I, I don't I don't see how it would hurt, and I don't see with with everything that's happened, how someone could actually be against it.
3: Yeah, if I could just touch upon a point before we we just lose the train of thought there. Um, I I do agree in what you're saying where. You do run the risk of people being turned off by the fact that they have to wait. CDM, maybe some people drop off. But then the question does beg: is what's worse, having people tune in to a product that's always kind of the same thing, repetitious, kind of stale, or every time they watch it for six months at a time, it's always awesome, and then they mm-hmm. have a little bit of a break, then come back to another awesome product. So I, I'm not certain what would turn people off more: is if it's a bit of a break or if every time you tune in, it's kind of retreading the same ground and a bit stale. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. You know, some of the storylines have been almost repetition. I know
2: Rasquash is really good at pointing out so many years ago, this was used before and they didn't even change anything. So definitely keeping it fresh, keeping it new, even if something looks similar, but at least change a few variables that way it doesn't completely look similar. Yeah, I definitely agree. It, it should if, if what you're seeing every single time you come back after a few months break intrigues you and it's interesting, it's just a good start from the first episode, I don't see why folks would would not want uh, a break. <laughs>
0: Speaking to that, I don't even care if it is the same. I appreciate when they use something from like 1991 that I remember and i'm like oh yeah that's just like this flair savage angle that they had back in you know whatever year uh i appreciate stuff like that and and to newer wrestling fans that's fresh and it's brand new and to me as an old school wrestling fan i appreciate the homage to it when they come back to storylines like that so
2: there's no there's really no homage to something when you you kind of feel that it happened 6 months ago or even a year ago. Uh-huh. I love the way you're saying it when, when you see the younger, the today's wrestlers paying tribute to those that paved the way. Definitely. I agree with you 100%. If somebody wants to come up with a freaking Cobra and get bit <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and Mara Ronello, yell, I don't think the Cobra's been devenomized. Look, I would, I think I would laugh and I would think of you and I would think <laughs> of the situation, but we're going to recycle something that was done a few months ago or something that yeah. you just saw another yeah. company just do because trust me, there were a few times that I got a little bit upset watching TNA, and then a week or two later, I'm like, "Holy crap! This is the same thing I'm watching TNA, and WWE's doing it. They're yeah. not even tweaking it. They're, it's almost the same exact thing. But yet, you're the number one brand, but you're s- stealing. I guess I don't want to use that word, but let's use it. We're stealing an idea that just ran in the so-called, you know, second grade company, the one that's not to your level. That's just. But I agree with you. If you, if you want to share something for the newer fans that happen. Twenty twenty five years, us older guys will be like, that's cool. For them, it's brand new. So I agree with you, Rath. Yeah, and I think,
3: I think you have a good point that too, Rath, where it's uh, a retread isn't always necessarily a bad thing because, like you said, it pays homage and it allows people to kind of experience what we did in a newer way, but the important thing too to make sure you have are, are the right players for that situation. For example, not to bash Roman Reigns again, but having Roman Reigns versus Triple H as the new Austin versus McMahon isn't exactly the best idea. You need the guys who can make it work.
0: Yeah, because Triple H is a great in-ring performer. Vince McMahon wasn't. Um, You know, Austin was highly charismatic. Roman Reigns isn't. So, yeah, I mean, you're basically hamstringing yourself by trying to sell that exact same thing. To me, I like when they fit a guy into a position and it reminds me of something from back in the day. Like, that's why I was so excited about the uh, Ascension. Because I could look at those guys and go, oh, cool, it's kind of a little throwback to Demolition. And then they kind of buried them.
3: Oh, God, (laughs) the Ascension.
0: And so now, you know, one's suspended now, so the other one moved to the Social Outcast. And now it's just like, oh, boo. But, you know, I like when you can look at someone and go, man, they really remind me of this guy because then it automatically gives me a positive outlook on that person because then I can say, yeah, they were, like, Ambrose, for instance, he just, a lot of times I look at him and I see a lot of Brian Pillman, you know, just in his personalities, mannerisms. He's not as crazy, but um his personalities, mannerisms, and I'm like, oh, that's cool, It reminds me of Brian Pillman.
3: Yeah, I was going to say I'm the like, same thing. But we digress a
0: little. Cedric, did you have anything else? No, I'm good, Matt. Okay, cool. Houkster, whatever you're going by tonight, the house of Houkcore.
1: There you go, the house of <laughs> All righty, I dig it. Uh, well, really not too much to add on, onto what you guys are saying. There's, yeah, you're right, there's ups and downs, pros and cons to both sides of it. The upside, you know, guys get time off to spend with their families, time, time off to recover. Uh, not working as difficult of a schedule. On the flip side, you know, you got the fans going however long without. Uh, you also have the writers pushing more uh, on a brand split. You have them writing more stories and everything. But to be honest with you, I really could care less about having writers make more work. Wrestling aside, because let's remember, wrestling at its core is a TV show. Unless you know you're at the Indies and it's a live theater, but it's it's a it's a show. It's it's a it's a story unfolding. So picture in your mind your favorite TV show that's not wrestling, and you're watching it on TV. You're not streaming it on Netflix or downloading the the newest episode so you can watch it immediately and binge watch for eight hours. But your favorite TV show, and at the very end of the season, where you have this big cliffhanger. And you cannot wait three or four months for that next episode to come out. And you're like, oh, I got to go. I got to go. And then when it finally comes, all right, here we go. What's happening next? I think that would play really well into wrestling. Um, my idea will be take two or three months off after WrestleMania and then come back in uh, somewhere in the middle of June for a, a quick build-up to SummerSlam so you have that time off for everybody to, to relax, recover. Because WrestleMania is the show of shows, granddaddy of them all. Why not have your big climax, maybe th- throw a couple cliffhangers in there with a couple feuds and then give time offers for some guys. Uh, that would be my, my thoughts on an offseason on how I would work it.
0: Hmm. Um, so you'd give everybody a legitimate three month break.
1: Yeah. Just, Hey, go, go home. You know, we're, we're paying you enough money. You want to do some publicity stuff. You want to do the make a wish stuff. You know, here, here's your chance to do whatever you guys want to do. Every other legitimate sport does it. Why can't wrestling?
0: Hmm. I like the idea of it. So I was kind of going with the same things you were going with, uh, can Think about the Walking Dead, right? What comes on right after The Walking Dead gets over? Fear of the Walking Dead comes on. Mm-hmm. Um when you're watching Flash and Arrow on the CW What's coming on in between those two shows? You've got Legends of Tomorrow, uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., you've got Agent Carter. You've got all these shows that gap fill the main shows for a couple months. I honestly think that WWE could do the exact same thing where they have their main show and then they have sort of the, just some different performers filling in for that few months building their own storylines and then right toward the end you know it, it all comes together for wrestlemania all right i'd say right around royal rumble time frame everything all comes together and then that, that's when they're all going to work you know they're, they're full time in i sort of picture it that way if they were going to do like a type of off season you, you'd almost have a split where this grouping of wrestlers is going to work for three four months and then this grouping is going to work for three four months and then they combine both ross both rosters for three or four months
1: yeah do you think that, you know, that, that actually would be a really good time of year too um before before the Royal rumble mm-hmm. take off part of the holidays you uh you eliminate some of the competition with n f l Monday night football and uh, come back for like the tribute to the troops that they always do in December and then kick off right from there
0: yeah, and I think that that would kind of allow what we're talking about, but it also would allow us to see more talent on our TV and not the same faces every single week, three times a week. Because I think oversaturation is one of the main problems with wrestling right now, and I think that that would be something that would really keep me more interested if I could s- see more storylines going to mid-card guys. Perfect example, I'm watching the Raws back from 93. Yokozuna's been the champion. Haven't seen the guy wrestle in like four months <laughs> on these episodes of Raw. Haven't even seen the guy on TV. They talk about him occasionally, but does it bother me that the champion's not wrestling every night? That I don't see him on TV? No, because they just they still talk about him and they talk about his last match and who's kind of working to go up against him. But most of the storylines are for mid card guys and. To me, I'm like, well, that's that's kind of the way you build wrestling. Your your top stars should already be stars. The rest of the guys are the ones that really need to work their way up and challenge those stars. But I don't know what your guys' opinion on that is. But if I was going to suggest in off season, that's what I would have to do. I'd I'd have your your main stars there, sort of pushing storylines. Then they would take some time off, do some TV and stuff, but not wrestle. And then you have the another grouping of guys. Your your upper mid card mixing with your mid-card guys to to build stories and then just kind of bring it all together at the end of the year.
1: Instead of and an injury or, like, because, you know, obviously there's real injuries, but sometimes where a guy's written off due to injury, just just having to take time off, yeah. I'd
0: I'd love to see just vignettes of the guys training, too, you know. Like the guy, guys in the off season, and they could do like, uh, they could do like an off season segment where they follow around one of the guys during their off season. What are they up to? Take a few minutes and just follow a wrestler around, and hey, what's what's going on with this guy? Whatever they're gonna yeah, do based exactly. on their gimmick, you know. Kind of get. It I in think it.
1: that would definitely feed into yeah. uh, kind of some of the stuff they've been doing on the network, as far as like the breaking ground and some of those other shows like that.
0: Yeah, and I mean, especially with, I would say especially with Breaking Ground where they, they really break all kayfabe and just don't care about it, why not just let us into the lives of the guys when they're on the offseason then too? You know, just like we would a real actor. I dig it. Okay, well, anybody else got any takeaways on the offseason? Any agreements, disagreements, any differences you guys
3: might have? I don't know, I completely agree with everything you were just saying there. I, I really like the idea of even just doing stuff like the breaking ground type things and having vignettes of the guys, like you said, training. Like I think that's a great idea. And I, sometimes I think the only con in their mind really is the fact that they, they'll lose their claim to being the longest running weekly or weekly episodic television show that they love to say so much. Hmm.
0: So. Well, it's still Monday Night Raw and that's how I'd look at it. I'm like, you just got different talent on it for that period of time. It's still going to be Raw, yeah. it's just going to be, you know, they they could call it, because even back in the day, they, they had Raw's War, and then you had the Warzone. They were two separate shows, but they came on back-to-back. Um, That's a good point. But they all still count as Monday Night Raw, so you could, you know, whatever you want to call it, Raw is whatever, you know, for this season, and then the other ones just Monday Night Raw, whatever, you know, they can just switch it up like that. It's still the same show. I think the hardest part would be still running six hours of programming with half a roster while the other half is sort of off resting. I think that that would be the biggest con in, in my mind. Um,
1: yeah. So instead of raw, it'd be medium rare. Medium
0: rare. <laughs> <laughs> but,
2: but they have they have so much talent, man. They have so much talent, and yeah. they're still continuing to scout, and they're continuing to um. To uh, employ so many new indie wrestlers and stuff, so they have the talent, I think, to be able to do what you're saying. Definitely, if, if, it, if it was less folks, then maybe it'll be difficult. But they just have so much talent yeah. that they can they can do it if if they were if they wanted to.
3: The other thing I heard, I'm yeah, the roster is okay. completely bloated. Yeah,
0: very much so. In fact, I think probably too much so. They got so many people they they can't even use half of them. You get a lot of guys getting paid to do nothing, literally. It's kind of like a third string quarterback, you know, like holding the clipboard, you're just kind of waiting for that call, but otherwise you go to practice every day, you show up in the building, but you don't play ever, but you still get paid.
1: We want Sandow. <laughs> we want Sandow.
0: Everybody does. You, you, you can keep chanting. But I, I don't think it'll happen. It'd be nice, but you know. All right. So. We've kinda covered everything, some few pros and cons of uh off seasons. Anybody got anything else before we move on? Going once, going twice. One of you's gonna break in.
1: And you didn't do it. Nice. Alright. Well actually I got something. Damn oh. you. <laughs> no, nah, I'm just messing, go ahead. <laughs>
0: Alright, well, we want to switch gears a little bit. We we could spend a little bit of time on this topic, so it's good. We want to talk a little bit about uh, payback that's coming up. Good time to kind of give our preview for a few things, just because we're not going to get a chance to before it actually airs. So, right now there's six matches on the card. We have Enzo Amore, Colin Cassidy versus the uh Blood Villains for the number one contendership. Charlotte with Ric Flair versus Natalia with Bret Hart. And uh, Sami Zayn versus Kevin Owens, Kevin Owens. Dean Ambrose versus Chris Jericho. And we're going to have The Miz versus Cesaro for the Intercontinental Championship. And then Reigns versus Styles for the heavyweight title. Which match, uh, Bert, do you think you're the most excited for?
3: I would probably say Sami Zayn versus Kevin Owens. Um, I haven't had the chance, personally, to see a lot of their matches together. By the time they were both in NXT together, um, it wasn't being aired in Canada as often, so uh. I wasn't able to, to really see it. So I'm looking forward to that, to be honest. Um, I like the fact that they're still consistently feuding overall this time, and it has such a history to it. And, and you know me with my logic that I like sure. behind it. I like the fact that they're not just coexisting now and reluctantly friends are just there, kind of a couple of weirdos together but they actually still hate each other i like that a lot i like the
0: promos too because they've taken time to kind of tie their storylines together for people who may not have been aware of their history so i like the fact that both talk about how they were friends and now they're not and the point of views from each other of why that didn't work out uh, Kevin Owens jealousy, uh, Sami Zayn, you know, just holding him back or, you know, riding his coattails, as he was saying. Um, those type of things I really appreciate in the storyline because obviously it means more when we get to see these guys finally go at it again.
3: Yeah, and I like the fact that during the promos, too, they take cheap shots at each other because that's what two old friends would do if they are feuding with each other. I like everything about this to be honest.
0: Yeah, and and honestly, um, because he's going against Sami Zayn, we're not getting as many Kevin Owens cheers anymore either um, because he's falling more into his role as a a heel. And they've picked the right face for him to go up against where the people aren't really cheering him because they don't like the guy he's going up against. Everybody loves Sami Zayn, so... You know, it's one of those things where I think they they did a good job putting this together. It's starting to get up there with the women as far as the way the storylines are working and and starting a good, progressive, um, logical storyline. Because, honestly, the women have probably had the best ones for close to a year now. So, which match do you think you're least looking forward to?
3: Uh Honestly, I would probably say uh the tag title match, well, number one contenders for tag title. You know, again, with the two teams there, Vought Villains and Enzo and Cass, I didn't get a chance to see a lot of their in-ring stuff, but from what I've seen so far on SmackDown and everything, it hasn't really blown me away, and they've both kind of been hot-shotted right to the top. I mean, I thought Enzo and Cass starting out against the Dudleys would have been a good enough feud to go for at least a couple months, but they seem to have blown that off rather quickly, and and had them pin the Dudleys clean and take care of that, wrap it up really quickly. Mm-hmm. So I just don't feel there's enough of a draw for me there, regardless of the fact that they're going for a number one contender for the tag titles.
0: Yeah, I think the stakes are high, but just haven't had that huge build for it. And then now you got a couple of teams who a lot of fans are probably out there scratching their heads, still wondering who these guys are. And I think that's probably the biggest problem with NXT Town when they first come up, Half your audience probably is rabid and knows who these guys are. The other half is just like, who are these guys? So, especially with the with the VOD villains and and then their really weird throwback gimmick, a lot of people might not get it.
3: Yeah, I mean with that gimmick, it's honestly it's main roster death, really. Like, I mean they're just too wacky for the way they book people on main roster. They don't have a small enough crowd to connect with it. and... The storylines are in. I mean, up against Enzo and Cass, the Von Villains, they should be a lot. They should be booked more goofy than they are. But the way they're being booked here, I mean, just look at SmackDown. That mm-hmm. promo they had together—it was almost a serious promo between the two of them, which was just weird to see these two guys who were dressed like the 1940s out there delivering yeah. a serious promo against the, the guys in the ring. Like, it just doesn't—it doesn't play out very well on this stage, in my opinion.
0: I honestly think I like the Von Villains when they were faces a lot more. Um, And I think that that gimmick worked better for them when they were working face than it does the heel. Because I can't really take them as serious as heels. But as faces, I could totally see them just being the goofball, funny, you know, throwback gimmick type thing. So, yeah, I don't know what's going to happen to them in the future. But for now, it's just sort of the strange entrance and the black and white and the large words and the, you know all that kind of stuff that they keep they keep throwing out there. We'll see. I think the what's going to happen in the in the ring is going to be just fine. It's just a matter of what ends up happening storyline wise. Does the loser of this match just fall back into obscurity or not?
3: Yeah, I mean I'm I'm hoping for the best. Again, I haven't seen enough from my, either of them wrestling wise to really judge it. Wouldn't be fair to, for me to do that. So sure. I'll wait and see. But as of right now, it's just it's way too tepid for me. All
0: right, well, um, Cedric, how about you? What what match are you looking forward to most?
2: I think S- Sami Zayn versus Kevin Owens is going to be the match of the night. That's definitely the one uh, to look for- forward to. It, for all the reasons that Bert mentioned and and, so, and, and yourself, they've definitely given them a, a history for those who follow on NXT. That we know that there was some some hatred there. And and it's nice to see that even before Sammy was even there, you could tell every now and then a little sheep shot from Kevin Owens. Now that he is on the main roster, definitely he's continued it. Uh, a great guy on the mic. I'm, I'm so happy that they given him the opportunity of just being himself when, when he's on the mic. And he's just these past few weeks, his wrestling that. If you followed them in the Indies, you knew the guy could wrestle, and there's so many of his repertoire that he. What he has not, not been allowed to use while in a WWE ring, but still what he has used, you you can just tell what an amazing wrestler he is. The things that he can do for his size. One of my one of my buddies doesn't like it because of that, because of the size, but like I told him, I'm like that that just elevates it even more the fact that with his size and body type, the things that he can do is just amazing. And obviously me and Hulk Stanley we've talked a lot about Sami Zayn and I was a fan of his as a, a Generico, so why not be a fan of like Sami Zayn? Not as big of a fan as Hulk Standing, but definitely he's, he's too, a really good wrestler. Love his Nakamura fight. Just showing us his repertoire. So, this will, this will be a good fight. There's no reason why it shouldn't be barring any injuries or anything like that.
0: Okay, and then, what about the match that you, um are least looking forward to?
2: To be honest, I think the other five, Matches that really don't don't really appeal to me. The Enzo and Cass versus the Bob Villains. Not really a big fan of Enzo and Cass as mo, as a lot of folks are. So that one, I think the way they've been shot up so quickly, kind of takes away from me even liking them even more. Charlotte versus Natty. I, I think they're gonna they should they should be the second best match of the night. Definitely the the ladies have been definitely putting up really good matches. Charlotte, Sasha, Becky Lynch, and Natty's a, is a veteran. She's a pro. We, we know her background at, with the, with the, student, the Heart Dungeon. So we know she's going to put up a really good match. But I just think that the three championship matches, there, I, I think the possible, the probabilities of, of there being a title change are really slim. So I think that's why we're not looking so too forward to them. As much as I am with S- saying in Owens, where there's nothing there, there's no championships on the line, but we know there's a feud that's, that's going to last for a while. No matter who wins in this match, we, it's not going to be the last of it. So.
0: Okay, yeah, I could see that. I'll disagree with you a little bit, but I'll do that in a minute after we
1: get how uh, outstanding his opinion. How about
0: you? What is your uh, match you're most excited for?
1: Uh Well, the match I'm most excited for, and for the same reasons, y'all have already said, it is going to be the the Kevin Owens Sami Zayn. Uh, I, I want to touch on just about every match just a little bit, but the one thing I really want to say about Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn is that this feud is not going to go away anytime soon, and I really hope that throughout their careers that something stays parallel with these two throughout the rest of the career. Um, I'm I'm a big fan of Sami Zayn. I'm a big fan of Kevin Owens. Uh, I think those two are going probably going to be one of your bigger money makers down the road. Uh, that's all I'm going to say about that. I think it's going to be a great match. As far as the tag team match, yeah, um it is pretty soon for both of teams to be going for the number one uh contendership for the titles. However, you know, we've been saying for quite a few months now how dull and blah the tag team division has been getting. So I'm glad to see some new and fresh faces being interjected in there. As far as the, the villains as heels, it is kind of hard to take them serious with the whole throwback and manly thing. Uh, if they were about 40, 50 pounds bigger, I think they would be taken a lot more serious, with, especially the way that they've been talking. Because those promos that they gave uh, last week were pretty spot on, and I really enjoyed it. I think we're going to have a good match, um, but I, I understand where you guys are coming from. I'm kind of in the same boat. As far as the Charlotte and Natty match, I think this is going to be an awesome match, especially with Bret Hart, uh, there at ringside. I'm going to throw a, uh, a quick prediction out here and say Bret Hart prevents Ric Flair from interfering and we have a title change. Natty wins the, uh, women's championship. Mm-hmm. I'm going to throw that out there right now. Uh, as far as the Roman Reigns and AJ Styles match, uh, it's kind of a forebone or foregone conclusion that uh, Roman Reigns is probably going to retain, um, whether that leads to his heel turn or whether that just leaves the crowd, you know, just more reason to hate him as a face, we'll, we'll see. Uh, maybe see some more of the Bullet Club, I think that'd be kind of neat. Um, but we'll, we'll see what happens there. Uh, I think there's definitely some intrigue as far as the match quality. I think AJ is pretty much going to carry him the whole match, um, but we'll see how that goes. The match I'm least looking forward to is actually the, uh, the Jericho versus Dean Ambrose. And not to take anything away from any of them, because... They're two both fantastic wrestlers. Jericho, probably one of the greatest of all time. So I'm not going to say the greatest, but one of. Um, and then you had Dean Ambrose, who's hot-headed. The fans love him. And he does kind of have that Brian Pillman kind of throwback. Um, but as far as this match, I'm I'm just kind of indifferent to see them wrestle each other. Uh, I like kind of where they're going with the show versus show kind of thing. Um, but I don't know. I'm just kind of <laughs> indifferent on it. <laughs> okay. How about Mrs. Cesaro? Yeah, I was going to say, what do you think about Miz? Oh, man. I think that match will be fantastic. Uh, I actually really like the Miz as a heel. When he was World Heavyweight Champion, eh, you know, he just, he was that guy on MTV and now he's wrestling. Uh, I thought about him that way for the longest time. And it was, I think, about a, actually, yeah, about a year ago now, I went and saw him live in Jackson, Mississippi. And once I saw him live, I really, really became a fan of the Miz and his heel work. Um, so I actually really enjoy what he does. But I hope Cesaro wins, even though that would be another quick IC title transfer. And we've talked about it before with title prestige mm-hmm. uh, that would probably hurt the title quite a bit. Um, but I'm ready for Cesaro to get his push. He he's been he's been well overdue, and I, I want to see him reign for a while.
2: I. I if, if I could say a quick comment, I think that's where, where the prestige would probably, instead of hurting the quick, the quick turnaround, mm-hmm. just the fact that it goes to a guy that many have wanted to see go to versus waist mm-hmm. as an individual champion. I think sometimes a title raises the value of a, of a champion, but there's every now and then that one champion that you wanted, you just want to see him with the belt and actually might elevate the prestige of the belt differently, like you said. If his reign, if his specific reign, Cesaro, that being, is long enough where you can tell, man, these guys are a great champion. Yeah, I think you got to find the right
0: guy to make the
2: title important.
0: And
3: well, and the, you also it, need the right... At book. least, though... Yeah, you, you're <laughs> right about that, for sure. You have to make it count. I mean, look at what happened with the U.S. title and John Cena there. I personally, I really enjoyed his his run as U.S. champ. I thought there were a lot of good matches that came out of it. Yeah. Um, but then... He loses it to Del Rio, who then goes on to play pinball with Kalisto over the title, and it's just, and now look where it is. It was on the pre-show to WrestleMania, and I don't even think it's, it's yeah. not even on payback, so I don't even know what they're doing with that right now. I just want to say for the
0: record, there's somebody not complaining about John Cena as the United States Champion, because there were a lot of people complaining about those matches every week, and I just didn't get it. I thought that he's done such a great job building that title, And the prestige of it and making it matter, making it important. And in fact, I think he probably had his best in-ring year of his entire career, hands down.
3: Oh, man, it was a great year for Cena. Cena. Yeah, absolutely. Okay,
0: well, before I... I'll go ahead and give my my best and worst match, and then what I want to do is go around and I want to see who you guys would book to win if you were in charge. Uh, So think about that for just a second. But for me... Um, actually, one of the matches I'm looking most forward to because I haven't really got to see it that much is uh, the Chris Jericho-Dean Ambrose match. I'm actually kind of excited about that one. I'm curious from a booking perspective if they're going to have Chris Jericho's win streak continue. If so, he's a legitimate uh, championship contender at that point. He would have beaten AJ Styles. He's beaten Dean Ambrose. He hasn't lost a, you know, a match in, in quite a while when it comes to, uh, on a big stage and a network special. So, and I think those guys are gonna put a much better match in. Jericho Ambrose is a much better matchup for Ambrose than Lesnar was, obviously. As far as the match I'm kinda least looking forward to, to be honest, it, it's kinda the main event for me. It was really hard to make this e- exciting when you have two guys who aren't the best, like, mic workers. So the match might really surprise me, but I think it might kind of be a, kind of a, a shit show with run-ins and interferences. And I just got this feeling with AJ and what's going on with uh, Anderson and Gallows. And then Finn Balor just lost the title yesterday, so what does that mean for his pay-per-view? Because until he lost that title yesterday, I was convinced that Gallows and Anderson were working for Roman Reigns somehow and that they were going to turn on AJ and help him retain the title. Now, now I'm not so sure.
1: See y'all on Monday. Yeah.
0: And so that's uh-huh. really that's really what I'm stuck on when it comes to not being that excited cuz I don't think it's going to be one of those decisive clean wins. It's going to be some kind of run-in, some kind of, you know, farce to the, the end of it. Well, I guess we'll start uh, in reverse order, if, if I'm booking this, Roman Reigns is going to retain the title, but like I said, I think there's going to be some type of interference. AJ Styles should have won the match. Reigns wins with some type of either interference or he does his heel turn um, to win. I do think Cesaro will beat The Miz and he'll become the new Intercontinental Champion um, and I think he'll have a nice long title reign after that. I personally would I hate to do this, but I would book Chris Jericho to win over Dean Ambrose just based on their performances that they've had. Chris Jericho's leading all the way through WrestleMania and what he's continued to do as a heel. I think he's done a great job. I think that Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens, I think at this point we're going to have the face has got to win at this point. We have two faces, two heels winning. I think Sami Zayn would be a, a good option for him to win. But Owens can still look really good in that match, and then it's going to lead to something else down the road. I disagree. I think Charlotte is going to retain in this match. I think Red Hart's going to keep Ric Flair from interfering, but it's going to be a decisive win for Charlotte to show that she can win on her own and may lead to a Charlotte-Ric Flair split down the road. And then, man, I think that Enzo and Cass are going to win... In the, in the tag matchup, and I'm kind of looking forward to some of the the microphone verbal squaring between them and New Day down the road. So, what do you guys think, Hunkster?
1: Alrighty, I'm actually going to have the VOD villains go over Enzo and Cass, because I don't want the Dudley Boy view to be over yet. I'm going to say the Dudley Boys come in, crash the party, and Enzo and Cass lose, or possibly win by disqualification, but still keep the... Uh,
0: the Deadly Boys Okay,
1: been there. I hope they don't just wrap that up and put a bow on it and call it done. Um already said I think Natty's going to win. Yeah, you know, honestly, I think Chris Jericho probably keep his real his role going. Go, keep it holding, keeping it going. I'm going to pick Cesaro as well, and then I already said it. Uh, I'm going with uh, Roman Reigns. Some kind of fluky win, but he's going to retain as well. Uh, as far as Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, I really don't care, because uh, this this feud is going to keep going either way. I hate 50-50 booking, but with a feud like this, I'm okay with it, so it don't, it don't matter to me. Let's just keep it rolling, keep it getting hotter. Yeah, I think as the win is
0: contested, as long as both guys look good, you could watch it over and over again.
2: All right. Um, Cedric, how about you? Alrighty, The Enzo in cast versus Bob Billings, uh, I think I'm going to sub with Hawk Standing. I think I'm going to go with the Bob Billings. Uh, I really, Enzo and Cass being faces and, and New Day really, for what it's worth, that's what they are as well. They're, they're pretty much faces. To have, to have two faces trash talking each other, like one side I think would have to definitely be more heel. I don't think it we'll would be Enzo and Cass, so, although that would be surprising. That would be really interesting if that was the case. But I do agree with, um, with Hog Standing and, and, and like Bert said before, It wouldn't, it wouldn't be a bad thing to see the Dudley boys and, and Enzo and Cass continue on because the Dudleys are a legendary tag team for what it's worth and, and just for the new, the new team that couldn't even get the NXT titles to come in, squash them and just continue forward. I, it definitely will make for good TV, I think, if then, if them two continued some sort of feud. I think much better than the Usos versus the Dudley boys, in my opinion. Charlotte versus Natty. I will keep the championship on Charlotte, to be honest. Um, I wouldn't see Natty as champion. What what else other than uh, almost like, hey, thanks for what you've meant for us. Here you go, because we know down the road there's such a huge push for Sasha and, and Becky that it would definitely m- make more sense to me to continue the feud down the road with Charlotte as a champion, as a women's champion against either Sasha or Becky or or both. So definitely, but I, I'm pretty sure they, they're going to put up a good show. Zayn and Owens, Sammy Zayn, I will book him to win. Continue to have this Kevin Owens that is complaining about how things haven't been fair, almost Trumpesque if you want to call it that. Yeah. Just it ain't fair, it ain't fair. Just continue that field going. Even if for one second you kind of see them branching away, I, I know you, I know that at some point Owens will just come in and disrupt the match, and we'll just continue to have more matches, probably ladder matches, steel cage matches, who knows what kind of matches stipulation we will have, but definitely those two are magic together. Ambrose and Jericho, you guys, I couldn't agree more with you guys. Jericho definitely winning. He's been an incredible heel. Just to have him lose out of the blue, even when he won against AJ, lost and then won whatever, however the the win-loss occurred, if he's if he's in this winning streak, he's doing such a great work. Mike Wise, continue on. I really don't see any point for Ambrose just to win out of the blue. And then jump to something else. Definitely Jericho winning. Makes more sense and builds him for for even the title itself. Miz versus Cesaro. It's time for Cesaro to have a championship. uh individual championship and, and reign. The Cesaro section, his, his James Bond look, all that just works. My kids love it. I love it. So definitely I can see him. And the Reigns versus AJ, like I mentioned, not a big fan. I'm a huge fan of AJ Styles. Anybody who knows me personally knows that. I think just like you mentioned, who knows what role the Bullet Club is gonna play, and with Finn Balor losing, definitely I could see something where we thinking they're gonna be in favor of AJ, but it's just go against him, and and it all comes from. New Japan Pro Wrestling, who was the f- first leader of the Bullet Club and Finn Balor and then all of a sudden AJ took over. Who knows what magic they can have together. But I definitely hope that at some point AJ Styles carries that title because I, I would hate to have seen him come to the WWE and not, and not carry the, the World Heavyweight title in a, in a actual meaningful run or reign with it. No pun intended for Roman Reigns. And, I'm not a big fan of him as a champion, but definitely him winning. Like we've mentioned before, there's so much that could happen. He'll turn, continue this road. Seth Rollins, at some point, will have to come back. Triple H, in my opinion, look not as good as the match we will talk about late, later on, but he still has. is a reason why he's still the Sabre Assassin, but there's so much that can happen. So it it kind of makes sense to leave him. As champion, but if he loses it, I'm not going to shed a tear. I might shed I might shed
3: 15 of joy, but. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, Bert, how about you? Yeah, I'll start from the bottom and make my way up. Uh, so with the number one contender for tag titles, I would probably give it to the VOD villains as much as I don't like them as a team. Um, I do agree with, um, with what Cedric was saying there on having two face teams giving promos against each other that'd be pretty bad especially two teams on the level Benzo and Cass and New Day it's just I think it'd be a bit too much I think you could get more mileage out of having a team like the Villains playing more of a heel role against New Day and promos back and forth between them at least it'd be appropriately goofy enough for the the teams involved Mm -hmm. so I'd give it to them Um, I also think that it's a bit early for either team anyway to be winning the tag titles I find that kind of strange booking, but again, I don't know what else you can do because if Vaudevillains go against New Day and lose, then then what? They've already lost against the Tag Team Champions, and I don't know. I think that would take a lot of heat away from their debut, so I don't really know what to do with that one, but I I still see the Vaudevillains taking it. So I guess next one with Charlotte versus Natalya. Even though I love Bret Hart and everything, I wish they didn't even add that. I think that it's a strong enough match on its own, just having Charlotte versus Natty. And I like the direction they're going with the women's division. I really, really enjoyed the Magic Mania. So I would have preferred just to see a good, solid singles match between the two of them. No gimmicks, nothing like that. Um, but in the end, though, I, I think that Charlotte is going to retain. And I think she should retain and probably hold it until, I'd say, SummerSlam for Sasha to finally take it and... Give her that big moment there, because, I mean, Sasha's definitely being primed to be the next women's champion.
0: Okay.
3: So, any thoughts on that from anyone else on those? Um, I agree with you. I think it would
0: have been better if they would have worked something out where maybe Ric Flair was just banned from ringside or something, as opposed to adding Bret Hart in. But at the same time, you're bringing in star power. Nothing wrong with that. Um, And if you... I don't know if you got to see their match in NXT, but it was Charlotte with Ric Flair and Natalya with Bret Hart during that match, and it was a really amazing match as well. So, I don't know if maybe they're just going to try to relive that like they did in the, in NXT or or what. But either way, I think just it's the same as neutralizing Ric Flair, somebody either not having him out there or Bret being out there to keep
3: an eye on him. Um Either way, it yeah. neutralizes Ric. So. I did see that match, and I completely agree. If they use it that way to just have them basically there to neutralize each other, then that's fine with me. I just, I'm just, i just concerned it'll become more about Rick and Brett because it's main roster, it's on pay-per-view. But if they keep it the way it was in that NXT match, I have no problem with it. I think it'd be fine. Okay. Um, so then next up, uh, Zayn versus Owens. I really don't know who to call it on. I would almost say that Zayn would have to win because he's lost so many damn times to Owen already that I think it would just be necessary for this to continue it'd give Owens another reason to be pissed off and continue the feud but personally I don't really mind who wins as long as both guys come across looking good mm-hmm. that's all they really need to do I don't want any. I don't know I don't really want to see any stupid roll-ups or anything like that we've seen enough of that so however they can work it that both guys come across looking good that's fine by me uh when it comes to Ambrose versus Jericho this might not be a popular opinion, but I would actually like to see it go to uh, no contest. I ah. want to see something like Jericho just lose it and just attack Ambrose, have the ref call a match, or hit him with something, because I really like the direction that Jericho's been going lately, where he's he seems to be becoming more and more unhinged, yeah. and it kind of suits well to, to how Ambrose already is. Mm-hmm. So I think you can get a lot of legs out of this feud, at least for a couple months. And both guys, I like them. I think they're great, so I wouldn't mind seeing them matched up more often. Um, The only other thing is if they're not planning to do a long-term feud between the two of them, then I want to see Ambrose go over because I want him to be built up towards Reigns so we can finally get a proper Reigns versus Ambrose feud. Okay. The only thing I would say
0: is I really like your idea of somehow, you know, having a draw of some kind. Um, I hate double count-outs, but uh, with these two guys, I could see a double disqualification and and see that work and, and go over somehow. And I think I love Jericho's almost like get off my lawn you young whimper snapper type of character that he's turning into. Yeah. Um, I really just have really been enjoying it. Uh, I, I like your idea, though, too, because I, I would love to see this again because it was almost hinted at back at Night of Champions all the way back you know, six, seven months exactly. ago. Um, it was hinted at, but we never really got to see it, and then now we're finally getting to see it, so it would suck if it's just this one one and done. So, yeah, hopefully it continues.
3: Yeah, yeah, and that's exactly what I was thinking, too. I mean, they went my appetite at that event, uh, because that's when I first saw the glimpse of it, and I thought, hey, this could be a really cool thing, but they never did anything with it, and now that they are, I want to see a bit more. But, again, I agree with you. I don't want to see a double count I think those are kind of lame. I'd rather see, like, a a proper no contest for some kind of nonsense going on that they need to call the match. I think that would add a lot of heat to it. Uh, so I guess moving on, then we'll go to Miz versus Cesaro. Personally, I, I'm i a huge fan of Cesaro, um, but I think that the Miz should keep the title for a little bit. That, again, might not be popular, but I'm sick of the title bouncing back and forth, and... I do personally like Miz as a heel. Yeah. I'm not that crazy about his ring work at all, but him as a character, I can appreciate what he does, and Maurice has been a good addition to it. Um, I do like the whole gimmick he's going with now, where he does a double take on mm-hmm. on his monologues that he doesn't feel went well. I think it's interesting enough to have him hold the title for a bit. Um, but again, I don't want to see a loss that makes Cesaro look bad, because we've seen enough of those too. so... It's a tough one with that. I personally want Cesaro to win it and have a good reign as IC Champ, but I think from a logical booking standpoint and to get some mileage out of it, I think you could have Miz go over in this one.
0: Okay, yeah, that's good. I think Maurice has really added that proverbial kind of shot in the arm uh, Yeah. for Miz, uh, just having her around and sort of backing him up. And he doesn't even have to hardly say anything. She does it all for him, and I think she's drawing really good heat for him right now so that yeah he's doing a great job i just i know what i want to see and then there's what's probably going to happen and hopefully you know i'm not disappointed at the outcome one way or the other
3: that's what i'm really so torn by is because i know how wwe books i've watched it long enough to to get a sense of how things are going to turn out um so it, it's always tough to to know what I want to see, but then to know well, what they're actually probably going to do is is always difficult. And so, Which leads to the main event. <laughs> so, yeah, with the main <laughs> event, exactly. <laughs> That's a perfect little uh, lead in there. So, with the way this is, personally, I think that AJ's booking thus far has been just awful. Yeah. I know a lot of people disagree with me, but I think they've done such a poor job from the start well, with me- them. Um, yeah, I mean, that's something we could argue about a lot, but, I don't know, even just going back to this feud he had recently with Jericho, where he just looked like such a goof in this feud. Like, you had Jericho coming out, distracting AJ, he gets rolled up in pins, so AJ comes out the following week to try and do the same thing to Jericho, and Jericho, like a true professional, just ignores AJ and finishes the match and wins it, which makes AJ look like an idiot. And then at Mania, he loses... And then all of a sudden, the next night, he's the number one contender, and we're supposed to take that seriously. So I don't think that he would, I don't think he'd be doing anyone any favors if he defeats Roman. Mm -hmm. Because as much as I don't like Roman in general, I think that he should still have a bit more time with his new role as champ. Um, It would look horrible if he's a three-time champ already and then soon to win it again for a fourth time in as many years on the roster. And AJ, I don't, feel, I don't feel he's been appropriately built up to be a world champion. And I love AJ Styles. I'm a huge fan of his. I loved him in yeah. TNA. So this isn't coming from a place that I don't like AJ. I just don't think they've done a very good job with him at all. So if I had to go with how I figure the match is going to go, I think that there's the potential of the Bullet club coming down. AJ Styles walks over to tell them to get lost or whatever. He turns around, eats a punch from Roman, gets pinned. Or they interfere on his behalf, and basically look like they're going to take out Roman, but actually take out AJ, and like we said earlier, um, have it turn into almost a Balor versus Styles feud. But either way, I see Roman winning it.
0: Man, I just, I can't get this image of, like, the new Roman Empire with Roman Reigns standing with the Bullet Club guys. I just, that's what's picturing in my head, and it, it haunts my dreams. I just, I'm mean, that that that's honestly what I what I'm seeing you know what I'm what I have in a because if you want Roman Reigns to get booed, let all that happen, uh, you know, with, with AJ Styles,
3: completely. Agree- I actually made a oh go ahead sorry, no no you finish up.
0: I was saying I completely agree with you, Bert. As far as the way AJ's been booked, like the way he was booked in the Royal Rumble, but if they would have just flipped him and Chris Jericho's roles in the Rumble, it would have been even lot better give him 52 minutes give Jericho 20 minutes they both look fine um, losing at mania I was shocked I was shocked he lost that um, and then it's almost like they came in and they hit the reset button the night after mania and just said okay we're just gonna we're just gonna reset everything and we're just gonna have AJ we're gonna push him because the crowd likes him you know I
3: I, I don't have uh, an
0: explanation so
3: the redneck rookie my god uh. <laughs>
0: The redneck rookie,
3: <laughs>
0: yeah. Oh man, yeah.
1: I feel like he never really got his comeuppance with uh, with that Jericho feud, and yeah, I completely agree. It is kind of weird. Um, with that, the uh, possible Balor club uh, coming in, I think it would be pretty sweet to see you know them come in. AJ thinking he's going to help him out and be reluctant to have them help. They take him out. Reigns wins. He's like, all right, thanks for helping me. And then they take him out as well too. And then Bullet Club stands mm-hmm. as the uh, as the dominating force. Yeah, even they're not champions.
0: That's an
3: idea I could get behind. <laughs> good. Well, I made a joke actually <laughs> earlier <laughs> where we're talking about my posting on EWN and stuff, and I made a joke earlier about how Bullet Club comes down and looks like they're going to help out AJ, but then they turn around, beat the tar out of him, Roman pins him, and. Turns out they're the Roman Empire, and then all Balor does is come and join with AJ, and they become the Phenomenal Demons as a tag team. <laughs> so, yeah. I could see that going, unfortunately.
0: Well, you know, I honestly don't think it would be that bad. You just have three big guys, the only thing you'd have to give them is a mouthpiece, and, you know, uh, I don't know who that would be.
1: And for Seth or, Rollins.
0: I mean, wow, that'd be all right with me, but I, don't, I think... Seth's going to come back as a, as a white-hot face when he comes back, honestly. Yeah. So, yeah.
1: Uh, Triple H returns, yep.
0: All right, cool. Well, we've got to talk this. We've got our official predictions in. So let's get to some more fun stuff. Um, I have selected the match of the week this week. It is Cactus Jack versus Triple H, the Royal Rumble 2000. This is one of my top five matches of all time. I've watched it many, many, many times. I sat down and watched it again today with my kids, and they really enjoyed it. I liked it, even though it was a little bloody for them. But I want to start out, before I get my opinion, because obviously I really liked it, I want to hear your guys' opinions on this. Uh, Cedric, why don't you start us out about your opinions on this match?
2: I remember watching this match the first time that it it happened. It was just... uh, An amazing match. And I I still to this day rewatching it, get goosebumps, just seeing Cactus Jack in in the WWE ring. First of all, just watching the promotion, the promotion video that they showed before the match, what a great way to build up a feud. You know, even if you had not seen anything up to that point, it was detailed enough and good enough to show you and let you know what happ- what happened to get to this point. Which is something I think WWE has forgotten. And I'm glad that they've allowed they've kind of shown glimpses of it with the with the ladies. Definitely the Charlotte Becky Sasha you for match had that same feel, that build up in, in even the video before the match occurred. So that, that was one thing that I enjoyed a lot. The match itself I think Dean Ambrose and Brock Lesnar should, should have watched this match before they had their street fight. So they could at least see what a street fight de- actually <laughs> looks like. You stole my thunder. Because definitely, if, if, if Dean Ambrose and Brock Lesnar, if that was, yeah, I'm Latino. If, I steal stuff. Yep. Dean Ambrose and, no, uh, I'm, just, I'm just joking, guys. By the way, listen to That's not true. We do not steal stuff because we're Latinos. I love you don't you, lie, guys. cheat, and steal? It's not true. No. Not, Eddie, yes, Eddie, I
3: do. Eddie.
0: How about, yeah. how about you, you don't do it just because you're Latino?
2: Definitely. Yeah, okay, that's right. And my name is Eddie. And um, <laughs> this, this was a, a street fight, you know. And again, it showed why Mick was the legend that he was, and why Triple H was coming up. I think one of the biggest bosses was The Rock's attempt to hit, hit Triple H with the the chair. He clearly missed. I, didn't, I think after all the beating that Triple H got, I think he was kind of happy about, about that. <laughs> but um, it was a good match. It, it showed these two gentlemen beating the crap out of themselves. Obviously, today, in today's wrestling, we're not going to see that with all the concussions and everything else that, that has come up with, especially having some of the older ex-wrestlers now suing because of shirt shots and whatnot. But definitely, it's it was amazing. It it. it Let's just know why that era was as good as it was, because of the stuff that they were willing to do and the matches they were putting up. Was I happy with the the finale? I'm not gonna lie to you guys. I really wanted Cactus to win. Yeah. I'm not sure if 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 Mick as Cactus Jack ever even saw a championship afterwards. Never. But I definitely, definitely, definitely went when you look at that match as real, not as the choreographed, booked, predetermined that it is. But when you see it. Triple H got such a whoop it. And then two pedigrees later, he wins. But not even 10 seconds after the second pedigree on top of thumbtacks, here comes Mick, gets up like nothing, brings him back, uh, across the ring on, on the stretch or whatnot. You see Triple H like just way out of it and just hits him a few more, a few times more with, a uh, with Barbie.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So part of me was like, I wish he would have sold more. I'm hurt. And just the way he got up so quickly and did, but then again, it almost shows that kind of Undertaker esque part of of Cactus Jack, if you if you want to call it that. Yeah. But definitely, if you want to book a great match and you want to elevate your champion, what better match to to use as an example than than this one? It was a, it was a great great match.
0: Thank you, because I know it's always. I'm glad you guys enjoy the matches, and you know we select them. It's like. Peering into the other person's brain for a little bit when they get to pick the match.
3: Bert, what did you think of this match? Oh, what a great match! Honestly, I'm so glad you picked this one. This is one of my favorite matches as well. Yeah, I mean, I saw this one when it first aired as well. It's one of the first pay per views that I actually watched with a group of my friends that uh, we're all big fans of Attitude Era, and we started watching pay per views together. And this is one of the first ones we saw, and it was just it was so good. Um, I thought that the build for the match was just phenomenal. Um, the fact that on the prior SmackDown, we had the return of Cactus Jack. I mean, I wasn't really that familiar with Cactus Jack at the time, to be perfectly honest. But because Foley's such a good performer, and he's able to legitimately make each of his characters feel so different from each other, that he just gave off his aura immediately when he said that, oh, I had to bring back Cactus Jack for this match. Mm -hmm. And he just came across as unhinged and dangerous and... Such a good build. And the match itself, though, I like the fact that they sent Stephanie to the back immediately, okay. um, just had the two of them out there beating the crap out of each other. I felt that the announcing was a huge part of it as well. Uh, JR is such a great announcer. Yep. He just threw in little things all throughout the match, tidbits about why Cactus Jack is so dangerous, um, the history of the character. Even the fact that he sold it by saying, oh, senior referee Earl Hebner was assigned to this very important contest, is what he said. It just made it feel that much more important. I mean, I just thought the match itself was just, it was such a good representation of just what a great performer Mick Foley is. Uh, The fact that everything he did had a purpose. He knew how to work the crowd. He knew when and where to hit a big spot to keep the crowd involved in the match. And even when he was handcuffed at one point in the match, he was a better worker than some of the main eventers in the current WWE, mm-hmm. which is pretty ridiculous. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, aside from that, I wanted to just touch on quickly what uh, Cedric said there, that with Mick getting up at the end just almost out of nowhere, I, I personally felt that that kind of saved the ending of the match, Yeah. where, like we're saying, Triple H got his ass beat the whole time, and then he pulls out this win out of nowhere, but... The fact that they treated the ending of it, it was that the win really was out of nowhere. I thought that was important. The fact that fully got up, he was momentarily dazed from all the punishment and the two pedigrees in a row, but he wasn't done. It just happened to be that Triple H simply survived for the time being. He he got the pin, but it didn't really mean he was the better man necessarily. So I just thought from top to bottom, the booking the whole match was just awesome, and it was one of the best street fights I've ever seen, maybe the best.
0: Yeah. Um, I would, it's really hard for me to pick, but like this one, and then obviously Foley's and Edge at, uh, WrestleMania down the road, um, we're both up there. For me, it's hard for me to pick which match is better overall. Yeah, definitely.
3: Yeah. I mean, one thing I did want to just digress really quickly on is I feel that a lot of people are unfairly critical of the Lesnar-Ambrose refight. Uh, Rightfully so, because it wasn't really that great of a street fight, but I think in general it was such a stupid match to put the two of them in. I mean, Lesnar is not a guy you're supposed to put into a street fight. That's not his style. It's not his character. It was just so dumb.
0: Well, I think it would have been better if Lesnar would have came out in, like, street clothes. And, you know, they would have brawled outside of the ring, and it was a legitimate, like, instead of a street fight, if they did, like, a parking lot brawl or something. Yeah. Because when Lesnar comes out there and it's still Suplex City gimmick and it's not a brawl, it's it's Lesnar slamming Ambrose around, it just didn't do anything for the match. But if they're fighting out back with the cars and you can give Ambrose and a chance to outright brawl with Lesnar, I think it could have went a lot better, but
3: yeah. Yeah, I think that Lesnar does deserve some credit for how he stuck to his character in the match. For example, when he had a chance to use the kendo stick on Ambrose, yep. he just broke the damn thing over his knee. Because why would he need a weapon? He's Brock Lesnar. He is a weapon. So, yeah. exactly. Um, and we, yeah, know, I mean, I, was, I
0: know we talked about that on the on the show too. Like, yeah, you gotta force him to come out of his comfort zone in order to really get him to get into a match like that. So Ambrose would have had to have pushed him to a to a level that he didn't want to go to in order to get him to use foreign objects,
3: and they just didn't. Yeah, get exactly. That down. No. But that aside, yeah, this this match here, I was really happy you chose it. I just thought it was awesome. It was such a platform to launch Triple H as a star, and what better guy to pair him up with than Mick Foley in his prime?
0: Yeah, see, I, I was uh, still in high school when when I watched this match. So, and this one was one of the like most vivid memories that I remember having watching this with my uncle. But uh before I talk about my experience, uh Howxter, what what did you think of this match?
1: All righty. Well, to keep the uh, the comparison or the contrast, so to speak, going. If you guys have not seen this match, listeners, go WWE Network, it's just nine ninety nine, and and go watch this match. This is this is the street fight that everyone wished they would have saw at WrestleMania. You got Mick Foley as mankind can't get the job done, and he's like, I got to bring somebody else off. And I love the instant transformation. All he does is just pull the Mankind mask off, and he is instantly Cactus Jack, completely different character. It's just amazing. Tribute to, or uh, not a tribute, but a celebration to Mick Foley and what he did for our business. As far as the match itself uh, and the booking leading up to it, I think they did an awesome job. Yeah, I love the fact that uh, Stephanie went back right away. You know, just let let the men do what they're going to do. They're going to beat the hell out of each other if by any means necessary. It's not a safe environment for Stephanie to be in. I mean she comes back out later, but still like this, this match was just amazing.
3: Well so she came out at a started, pivotal moment too yeah. later. So I didn't mean to cut you off there. I I yeah, just felt that, that was that was important too. Was yeah. When she came out later, it was the absolute right time that she yeah. should yeah. have run out. Because it was as, as a ghost. Yeah. Exactly. That's all it was was basically don't kill the guy that I'm with, like the guy that I love I guess at the time. Like is it was just such good storytelling all around. I I really loved it and I I just love McFoley as a character and everything he was involved in at that time.
1: Yeah, agreed. One hundred percent agreed. And yeah, I mean for those hardcore ECW fans who knew and loved Cactus Jack, they gotta see him in a WWE ring doing what he did best and that's laying waste, kicking ass and being hardcore. Um for me I felt like this was a very pivotal moment for Triple H's career. Uh, you compare the two together, and you've got pretty much McMahon's tut and paste for what he sees in a wrestler. Big, strong, muscular guy, handsome, good-looking, good-talking. And then you have McFoley, Cactus Jack. The exact opposite. You know, this round, somewhat out of shape, hairy facial, just crazy beard. The exact opposite of what we come to see is what McMahon looks for. And his uh, his top guy. And uh, this was, to me, Triple H's christening as the ass kicker. And he was the cerebral and He was the game before. But this was the match where he became the ass kicker. But before he could do that, he got his ass kicked. The The amount of stuff that they did to each other was just amazing. The barbed-wired, two-by-four, brating right across Triple H's face. Man, he took a beating um some of my favorite moments in the match were actually in the beginning when they first started tending to the hardcore uh triple h's got the chair and he's like come on come on mcfoley's no you come on you come on and they're just kind of had the standstill, and then Mick just full sprint right at him and, and triple just h just dropped. bam right in the face <laughs> drops him and oh man there's just so many great moments um on the outside, flipping onto the concrete, flipping onto the uh, the broken pallets, throwing each other in the stairs. every little thing meant something, and they they told such a great story in this match. Um, always good to see the bang bang, <laughs> but yeah, every everything meant something. They knew exactly when to appease to the crowd. Uh, seeing triple H with just a complete red mask over his face mm-hmm. is just such a crazy sight, especially then because. Triple h really hadn't done a lot of hardcore or extreme stuff before this match and not really at all this really yeah this this really changed the game so to speak um and I, I was happy with the finish how they did it you know not one to put him down because triple h was reeling with that second pedigree onto the thumbtacks and he's even twitching after he delivers it with the pen uh just a great match all the way around a plus awesome yeah i uh
0: obviously I like this match because I picked it. I watched it tonight, got goosebumps again watching this match. So, like, that's really how much it meant to me in general and the build and everything else they did. So, a few things, talking about the build-up real quick, I won't take too much time. When Mick removes the mask, becomes Mankind in the Cactus Jack, Hunter talked about it on Mick Foley's Hard Knocks and Sheep Pops, the video I had on DVD. And he talked about it on there where he could have no soul that he could have like laughed him out of the building and then it would have been the whole angles ruined done. But instead he reacts like he's seen a ghost, like he's, you know, just seen this mythical creature come to light and his facial expression on that sold that entire matchup coming down the, down the road. Um, he knew that there was you know no more happy go lucky mankind going to pull the sock out of my pants you know type thing anymore it wasn't dealing with that guy he was dealing with Cactus Jack and so i just really loved that um, the match itself you guys have pretty much already hit all the high points but for me what i think it established was triple h is a tough guy and I That was kind of a knock on him, like everybody was more of a pretty boy. You know, he wasn't really that tough guy. He was mean, he was aggressive, but he really didn't take punishment. This match showed that he could hang with anyone in a degree of really taking punishment. And it was almost like a coming out party for him later on down the road, because we'd seen Stone Cold... We've seen the rock like in situations like this, but we'd never seen Triple H really be able to do that. And this match sort of transformed him and elevated him to a, to the true top guy in the company. Because before that it was argumentatively, you know, the rock or Stone Cold or whatever. I think this one really elevated him to be in that that talk and legit show that he deserved to win. Uh like the ending actually because they... Even though Cactus was was stunned and he got pedigreed on the on the thumbtacks and lost, the fact that he was able to get right back up adds to the myth of Cactus Jack. Like, damn, that guy just got pedigreed on thumbtacks, and I don't care if it's scripted or not. I'm not gonna get right up off the ground. I might not get up for a week. Um, but Mick pops right up, comes out there, works the rest of the match, and then, you know, his line the next night on Monday Night Raw, I remember he says it's not whether you win or lose; it's how you maim the game. And he made a big joke out of it. Um, and I that was so good. I yeah. know, that was that was the best thing ever when he comes out there and he just had that that sly Mick Foley smile when he said it, and the crowd went crazy. And
1: yeah, bang, bang,
0: man! man I'll I'll tell you, it's it's definitely in, in in my top five matches I've I've ever seen. And I just I love Mick Foley as a performer. Um, in this match especially, I think he just showed that no matter what, he can build and build and build and build and make sure that everything that happens means something in the match. So thank you guys for taking the time and and helping me review this match, and I look forward to seeing what you guys present down the road so I can kind of get a peek into some of the best matches that you guys enjoyed. Um, Any other takeaways from this?
3: Yeah, I'd I'd actually like to add thing there, more to your point about the selling of the reaction, if that's okay with you guys. Oh, sure. Um, I thought that that was a great point about how Triple H, just like you said, um, he made statement himself about how it's all about how he sold his reaction to to basically Cactus Jack returning and everything. It, it really made a big difference to the match, but I also felt that played into the opening moments of the match itself where just the look on his face, the way he was selling it with his body language, he, he looked uneasy out there to be yeah. standing in the rear with Cactus Jack and I just felt that really added some weight to the match as well he just did such a good job conveying like a sense of fear and uneasiness without actually betraying his character kind of this this jerk who's like overconfident and like kind of a dick but but he still he just sold it so well that it made the match feel that much more important and Mick's eyes
0: looked so wild when he was coming in the ring and oh, that, yeah. that initial stare down and they just they they have Mick from that far shot and you just look into his eyes and they're wide open and just like Vivid in his in his expression, and you're like, this guy is crazy. Like you could just see in his eyes, he looked crazy. And yeah, yeah, you're right, Hunter. As he's getting in the ring, he seems hesitant. He seems like he's he's trying not to be scared, but you could see like deep down, there's a little bit of uh, intimidation. And some of that might have just been because they knew what they were about to do to one another. He might have legitimately been nervous. Um, But yeah, I I thought that that was great on both ends, and this showed that both those guys could perform at any level. Um, during any time period in, in any period in wrestling. Awesome. So, we have one last thing to do, guys, um, and that is going to be bringing back our fantasy booking. Um, we still have a little bit of a tag team tournament. We're still in the opening round. Now, we picked a lot of tag tag teams. But uh today we want to talk about the Motor City Machine Guns, and they're going to be taking on the Midnight Express. Um, I know you're kind of the Midnight Express connoisseur there, there? so why don't you start us off talking about the midnight express
1: all right well for this rendition of the midnight express we're talking about a lover boy dennis condry and one of my all-time favorites beautiful bobby eaton uh they started off as rivals and uh, teamed up under jim Cornette. i think it was 1986 january or maybe in march i'm not sure exactly the month <laughs> uh, but these something? guys what's that
0: I said this guy's throwing months out there in a year. Go ahead.
1: Hey man, you gotta do your research. <laughs> I mean, we got the wise old out here handing out grades, so I gotta pass this, man. My GPA is low enough as it is. Wrestling one <laughs> <of them>. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. But yeah, two time Mid-South Champions, WCCW over in uh, Dallas Champions, NWA Champions, uh, these, these guys were awesome. And, uh, for you fans of Enzo and Cass and the rocket launcher without uh, Dennis Condry and beautiful Bobby Eaton, you wouldn't have the rocket launcher. These guys innovated and created that move. Cool. All
0: right. Well, um, what would you consider their wrestling style for those who might not have seen them?
1: Uh, very technical, but also kind of smash mouth. Uh, very big guys, uh, very dominant. And when they're in the ring, they were controlling every aspect of it. Uh, they would keep one tag team partner in the corner. They would, you, you, have heard divide the ring into fourths and they would definitely use that one quadrant close to their corner all the time. Um, but yeah, very smash mouth, very in your face. Um, very power, power, uh, powerhouse kind of guys, you know, where they do the suplexes. They would throw each other onto each other. Um, very, very unique for that time period, especially for bigger guys. Cool.
0: Cedric, what did you think of this tag team?
2: Well since um the <laughs> how Stanley's throwing out numbers and whatnot, rumor has it that out of all the different renditions that we've seen of the Midnight Express, whether the new Midnight Express or tag team or even a stable, whether under Jim Cornette or Paulie Dangerously, this this specific team ha won over close to fifty championships during their their time together. So that can only, that only tells you how, how good they were, how respected they were, regardless of the region they were working on. I think Huxter said it best. Um it was, it was funny because they ca- they come out as these beautiful men, <laughs> which they were not. Which they were not. In you see, Love Boy Dennis is having- has a tight bandana to his throat, making him look so manly, almost like the Bob Villains. But Yeho was gonna tell him something, <laughs> where the guy would just rip you a new one. You know, I believe it's called an they ascot. Ha- <laughs> yeah, it's an ascot. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> we're we're we're, we're, we're a fra- uh, uh, family friendly kind of of show, sure, so we call it the re Anyway, it's it's what Fred from uh, Scooby Doo War. Same thing. But the- Continue. the you. But the thing is, but the thing is, yeah, that is a very important detail, my listeners, that we need, that we needed to bring out. It, it makes all makes all well, difference in, in this in the show. I'm just anyway, to um, picture it. That's all, you know. If it was a anything. a very, it was a very smash mouth style. Even even beautiful Bobby, who was more technical, I think, than than Loverboy, than they were just smash mouth in in your face, you know. For that time, the aerial moves. That beautiful Bobby was doing was, uh, compared to today where you see a smaller guy to be doing those kind of moves, it was amazing to see him as big as he was, six feet, closer to 233, 235. But then you had little boy, two, six, six feet, 260. So they had the brute strength. They had the weight advantage uh, most of the time when they, when they fought against a team that they were going to drop. Definitely you could see how they would destroy the, the other opponent and their main finisher was the the rocket launcher, if I'm not mistaken, but it was amazing to see beautiful Bobby do that darn, um knee to the back of the head from the third rope. Just a killer move. And not to be outdone. Either a slingshot against the third rope or just a, a massive slam. So a full Nelson slam to your face from Lover Boy Dennis. So they were a really good team and, and under Jim Cornette and even Big Bubba being on their side, definitely they did not need that, but it even gave them more star power and made them even more brutal. So They're just, just a really good tag team.
0: So, Bert, from the uh, matches you were able to catch, what what did you think of these guys?
3: Yeah, so, I mean, they were a bit before my time, and uh, I wasn't too familiar with their work of either guy, really. But I went on YouTube and watched a few other matches, and I really enjoyed it, actually. I mean, they were just a team that worked together. Like, they just worked as partners. Like, it was really good. They had good chemistry. Um, it was great having Cornette in their corner. I thought that he added a lot to that dynamic. Um, their style, basically, like we've already touched upon, very smash mouth, but somewhat technical. Um, everything they did was kind of a little rough around the edges, but they really knew how to be a tag team. And the whole thing with isolating the opponents, um, the way they would attempt to cheat, uh, the way they would just work together in the ring they were just—they were a really good tag team.
0: Yeah, I think for me the most telling thing was that they always had a, a manager. They always had like a you know someone on the outside helping them out. Um, but what I always really love about tag teams is is when, or I guess wrestling gimmicks in general is when they're not what they seem. So you have Lover Boy and, and Beautiful Bobby, and then obviously that's a com- complete joke it's it's to get the fans to to boo them right away because this guy's calling himself lover boy and he's definitely not one um i i always really appreciate about both these guys and always made me laugh anytime i watch them because i'm like beautiful bobby eaton huh wow that, that mullet that's definitely beautiful but uh uh Come on now, it was the 80s. <laughs> there, there's some good looking mullets, but there's some not so good looking mullets, and uh, I would say his counted as a not so good looking mullet, especially since his head was kind of square, so it almost made like a He-Man style. Anyway, it was, uh, whew, there's quite a bit going on there I could talk about, but maybe I should quit talking about their hair, people are gonna think other things. So, um <laughs> as far as uh, them as a tag team, um, you guys already mentioned it. Uh great tag wrestlers. Uh as singles competitors I don't think either of them were really all that fantastic, but they had a chemistry and the ability to work together where they uh they could make it work. Um Watch them work against guys like the Rock and Roll Express who they were bigger than. Um and then I got to watch them work against guys like the Road Warriors who were much bigger than them. In both cases though, they were able to use their um intelligence, uh their Interference, their uh, just wit and survival ability just to to get through those types of matches. So um, great tag team. Like I said, I think we've got a matchup with them with the Motor City Machine Guns, and I think that that's a going to be a, a a pretty good one. Bert, what do you think of the Motor City Machine Guns?
3: I love Motor City Machine Guns. I I used to watch a lot of TNA when they were on Spike. Um, since they moved there, I I don't get the channels they're on now, unfortunately. But but yeah, at the time when they were around, I mean, I love their feud of Beer Money. I love their feud of Generation Me. Uh, team 3D it was just all around excellent. I think that both guys are such great wrestlers on their own, and just having them together and the fact that they have such a history, such chemistry, they're they're just so good. I don't really know what else to say about them other than they're a team you really need to to go to your way to see if you haven't seen them. Um, i just think they they work so well together
0: for those who haven't maybe seen them i'm sure most people have but for those who haven't how would you describe their wrestling style
3: uh for their wrestling style i mean like i touched upon they're they're both so good as standalone wrestlers like x division style um kind of a mixture of technical and high flying they can do a bit of both but as a team they just seem so fluid mm-hmm. every time they do things together in the ring it just they almost seem to know what the other one was thinking all the time. And, and granted, wrestling is scripted and stuff, but a lot of the matches are called on the fly, of course. And they just—they always seem to know where the other guy was, what the other guy was thinking, and what they wanted to do. And they just work so well together. It's like they were one guy working in the ring um, with two bodies. It, I don't really know how else to describe it in an effective way, but I just keep coming back to it. It's just they—they they have such good chemistry, and it just everything flowed together. And yeah, we've, we've talked about that before with tag teams where it's just, it's almost like
0: you're wrestling the same guy, but he never gets tired because they're constantly yeah. in and you tag the next guy and he wrestles exactly the same and he tag the guy and he wrestles exactly the same. So yeah, it's just like a, it's like a buzzsaw almost. It just keeps spinning and spinning and spinning and, you know.
3: Um, that's a great analogy. Yeah, yeah.
0: And I think that that's, you know, I love tag teams like that personally. Um, but, uh, okay. So Cedric, Motor City Machine Guns, your thoughts.
2: Just like Bert said, you know, a uh, really good tag team, really fast paced, a lot of different movesets, uh, just constantly thinking. Uh, we, we, we mentioned it before on, on one of our initial podcasts about what makes a good tag team. And we said it on that episode, but it was nice to hear Jim Cornette saying it on the match that I was watching. He, he mentions that you can have two good wrestlers, put them together, it doesn't mean you can have a good tag team. In this case, it worked. You had two good rushes that, as individuals, they saw success, like Bert said on TNA, definitely as X, in di- the X division, they definitely showed off their, their X division side, you know, the fast pace, the risk, risky moves, the aerial maneuvers. But then you put them together and they just work. And it, and it speaks volumes of them when you say that, even when they were not together and they tagged with other partners, they just make it work. You know, and obviously the other, the other folks with them need to be in the same, in the same way, but you can just tell how good of wrestlers they are that singles division or them as tag teams with other folks, they can still work. And that's a good, t- that's a testament to them. But as, as seen Machine Gun, definitely, even, even in this world of choreographed, Matches and predetermination. You still need to have that chemistry to make it work. Whether it's on the mic, whether it's the you know your your style, your look, and definitely the wrestling part. You know, you every now and then when you watch a match, you can tell when when they're when they're discussing what's gonna come next or what to do. You barely saw that with these guys. Like even even if it was just a look, a wink, a a, a tap in the back or some something, they would they knew what to say without saying any words. So. That speaks bodies of them. And great this is a great a great tag team. Uh a team that I would say if at this point they're almost veterans if you want to t- think of it that way. Just any new tag team that they either put over or even in and losing will learn so much from from a team like Machine Sinching.
0: Okay. And uh Huxter.
1: Alright, well I hate to admit this, but uh during the mid-2000s, mid to late-2000s, kind of took a hiatus from watching wrestling. Kind of had a little falling out, so to speak, with uh, just the product in general. And I really hate that because uh, I feel like I missed out on a lot of really, really great wrestling, especially in TNA because uh, that's, that's pretty much where these guys were at during that time, and they really made the tag team division. But thank God Al Gordon invented the internet because without the internet, I, I wouldn't be able to watch all this. Yeah, that's a rib. I know Al Gore didn't invent the internet. But whichever. Um but yeah, they're they're not hard to find. YouTube, Daily Motion. You you can watch a lot of these guys' matches and man, Chris Aben, and Alex Shelley really do work well together. You guys said it uh, it's like fighting the same person almost. Uh as singles, yeah, they were very good. Both uh had a lot of success, X Division and further on TNA, ROH, New Japan, you know, they they've got a lot of a lot of success as singles, which to me, I was never really a big fan of Chris Saban as a singles guy. The man alive, I loved him in uh, Motor City Machine Guns. Yeah. These guys have been champions in just about every company they've they raffled for. Uh, some of their best feuds for me was uh, in ROH during their time against Kevin Steen and El Genetico. Um, beer Money, is, uh, as you said earlier, Bird. Uh, but to me, some of my favorite matches, and probably some of my favorite high-flying tag team matches of all times, would have to be their feud against uh, the American Wolves. Man, they're just just excellent, non-stop, very tenacious. Just all over the all over the place. I love them.
0: Yeah. So, I guess this tag team started out as the uh, Murder City Machine Guns, if I'm not mistaken, in in TNA and then later changed the name to Motor City. That's probably for the best. Um, but as a tag team, you guys touched on most everything. I think my biggest takeaway for them was the usage of tag team moves. Um, we don't see that as much nowadays with the transitions. Like It might be one or two things, or the guy's got an arm ringer, and the other guy tags in and hits him. But they really were able to put together creative usage of double teaming and I think that that's a lost art in tag team wrestling, and uh, they were very, Definitely. very good at it. Um, so, all right, guys. If we were going to be deciding who we think would win based on these two teams, uh, Hauckster, who would you think should move on in the tournament? Who would you say is the better team?
1: All right, well, as much and as big of a fan as I am of the Midnight Express, I'm actually going to give this one to the Motor City Machine Guns, uh, for two reasons, and we kind of touched on them already. Uh, one, their speed, um, their tenacity. Again, it's like fighting the same guy. Um, yeah, they may be stronger, or smaller, not as strong, but these guys don't run how to win very often. Uh, and I think they're going to run circles around them. Another thing, uh, to mention too, is yes, Midnight Express does have that hardcore smash mouth, just break you down and beat you senseless kind of style. But these guys are kind of some of, well, let me start over here. They're, uh, they're one of the first tag teams that have really brought in some of that MMA style, uh, to the way that they would fight. Um, so I think they could grab and reverse a lot of what, uh, the Midnight Express was trying to do to them. And I think they can, uh, they can definitely hold their own. And I'm going to go with the Midnight Ex- or with the uh, Motor City Machine Guns. Mm-hmm. Little, bit the of, Express. little bit of an upset. All right. Um Yeah, a little bit. I would agree. Definitely an upset.
2: Cedric, what do you think? I think everything that um that Hawk Stanley said, but in the reverse. Um I actually have Midnight Express going over the uh motor Machine Guns. I agree with everything Hawk Stanley said when he describes Modus machine gun and their style. But I definitely based on what I saw and again just basing it on the matches that I saw. I, I saw Midnight Express, regardless of the, the body size of their opponents, their smash mouth style, their aggressive style, their pinning you in the corner and just working on your style. It almost Even the fastest of tag teams that they faced, and they faced some pretty fast-paced tag teams, maybe not as small and agile and mobile as machine guns, but they did for the time that they they were in 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 ring they fought some pretty fast folks and they just knew how to neutralize them and this is not even counting any interference from anybody outside just them two can definitely you know uh corner somebody and just manipulate them to their to their will however they want and and definitely uh some of the moves were just devastating you could just see how how they were taking the effect on the opponent i also saw motor seen machine guns fight some of the some bigger guys than them and they did not look as, as dominant, I think, as they did with the smaller guys. You know, a few victories here and there, but for the most part, you can tell that once a bigger tag team, regardless of the outcome of their match, when the bigger tag team took a hold of them and, and kind of neutralized them from that corner, you know, you could just see that they were really working and, and that was almost the, that was almost the, the recipe or the, or the secret or or the ingredient that the most bigger tactics used against them it was their size their strength and neutralizing them from all the tactics was definitely these guys when they're in the ring together they have way too many moves that you you cannot make a video game and and put all their moves in the video game you would need like more buttons on an xbox <laughs> controller just to put as many moves as they they had but they almost reminded me of generation me in the sense that even some of the bigger harder hit moves were easily kicked out of yeah. so Definitely, when when Loverboy Dennis didn't show you too much love, uh, unless you you think the fact that he would full and you face first to the mat with all his weight on top of you. That's pretty much a little bit of loving from Dennis, but that's as much love as you want from him because three three seconds later he was he was the victor, so or, to speak. Or like a, so to speak, yes. Or or that knee to the back of what the head. What kind of
1: wrestling hole. are we talking about? <laughs>
2: yeah, that's it. Some 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 hardcore wrestling. Hardcore. Yeah. But there's a little hostility in here. <laughs> so keeping it simple, I will go I will go with the Midnight Express for all, right. all those reasons that I said, and then some. Cool.
0: Well, uh, Bert, from what you saw, what do you think of this matchup? Who do you think would win?
3: Yeah, I'm going to offer the opposing view, I think, to Cedric there. Um, I'm giving it to Motor City Machine Guns. So it's, it's towards a point that Rath made about how uh, Machine Guns, they they knew how to keep their opponent isolated with transitions and quick trade-outs, things like that. Um, not to say that the Express weren't good at that, too, but the way the machine guns did it, they seemed to have quite a set of moves where they would be able to uniquely hold their opponent aside and tag into the other guy, let the other guy get in, while still keeping their opponent isolated. And we're talking a lot about the Smash Mouth style of Midnight Express and everything, and well, that's a good point, I just think that well, Midnight Express, they may hit you a bit harder, but uh, machine guns will hit you twice as many times. So to that point, I think I'd give it to them.
0: Hmm. Well, I'll tell you this. We're going to have a tie. And That's because uh, I think that the Midnight Express would win. Um, primarily, the telling thing for me was watching the Motor City Machine Guns versus the Dudleys. Uh, even though they did win that match, when the Dudleys put pressure on them, and were able to isolate their speed. They were not very successful. The motorcycle machine guns. They couldn't get the momentum. They couldn't really turn it around initially in the match. It, you know, it took them a long time to get going. And back in you know 80s style wrestling, if you couldn't get the momentum, they weren't going to let you. Those heels were just going to work you. But I think the X factor for me is we have to include uh, you know their their manager. We have to include Big Bubba on the outside or the Big Boss Man on the outside. So, with those things and their ability to use interference and heal tactics, I think that they would, they would come out the victors. So, to decide which tag team moves, uh, we're gonna have to put it up to the Facebook page and to Twitter and see what the followers think for the actual winners. But, uh, it's interesting. Awesome. Alright guys, so, that's it. That's all we have for the show tonight. We've covered a, a lot of good material. And uh before we you know adjourn, I just I want to thank Bert for joining us. Obviously his insight. Uh these other things saying everybody quit saying he's so negative. Um, we're just <laughs> we're just logical is what I would say. Not negative but logical. There like. we go. He, um I, I can see your your line of thinking of mine when it comes to uh, book and perspectives are, are are very similar so um, we do appreciate you just coming to join us it's always good to have you know individuals that are that are just fans you know to, to come on here and talk with us and it's been great to have you and, and your insight and I'm, I'm sure I speak for the rest of us when we say thank
1: you
3: well, thanks for having me. I had a really great time, and it, it's been a great show, and in fact, all of them, I really enjoyed listening to it, and yeah. I look forward to the next ones as well. Awesome. Well, I
0: will say this. I don't know if you have a, a Twitter where you talk anything or, you know, a Facebook or anything like that uh, where people can get your insight, but uh, if you do have any of that and, and you want to put it out there, now's the time.
3: Yeah, well, I mean, mostly I'm on my Twitter. Um, I usually post basically wrestling photoshops and graphics that I've created. They're all comedic and mostly satire on what's going on. And anyway, it's <laughs> at the real burnt heart, uh, on Twitter. So that's where you can find me. Awesome. And yeah, uh, we look forward to seeing you, and
0: we'll definitely have to do this again sometime. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. Um, do you guys got any takeaways?
1: Yeah, I just yeah. want to say thank you for joining us. Uh, definitely, uh, Enjoyed some of the posts you've had. I know Cedric uh, talks quite a bit about you. and I think uh, having you and listening to your insight and your inputs uh, definitely made me a, a fan of, of, of your passion. And it's always great oh, to have passionate you. guys here.
3: And, I mean, I do want to say, too, regardless, I don't even know which uh, users you guys are on there, um, if we have sparked back and forth, but I, I really do appreciate a good discussion. Whether or not I agree with the opposing view, I I'd love a good discussion about it because I just love talking wrestling. So that's basically all I have to say on that matter. Awesome. Cedric, you got anything?
2: <laughs> the only thing in summary that I would say is that even, even when I disagree, I still see where you're coming from, which is the most important part. Yeah, uh, I I am not one to not change the way I think. It's not flip-flopping, but what? how do you learn if you only stay among people that think the way you think you know how do you how do you see if if your way of thinking is correct or not correct if all you hear is the same stuff or you read the same stuff so when I read the things that you write I always say you know what it's not I've, I've seen times where I'm like man that sounds very negative but then the next line kind of gives even more insight okay this is why Bert thinks the way he's thinking and then I see other responses and I'm like it gets me so mad I'm like wow No one had a good response to what he said. Uh, And I'm like, and he's still nice enough to even add another line with three, three or four lines of reasoning. So even, even when I disagree, I still respect it. Even when I disagree, I still learn. But for the most part, I've agreed with your logical, all your logical reasoning and, and I've learned from it. And I've even had to change a few of my own thoughts. He just, just the way when I talk to how standing we've, we've disagreed, but even in disagreeing, I've learned and I've said, you know what, I can see your point and and you might be right. So that's the one thing I've always noticed about you. And and I I don't have an account on eWrestlingNews.com, but if I did, that would be the first thing. You will see me quite a few times probably (laughs) defending most of your thoughts because for the most part, in summary, if you're going to write something, make it make sense, make it logical. And that's something that you have always done. So I I I appreciate you having come to the show. Thanks for having me. We've had a lot of fun. Again, thanks, everyone, for listening.
0: Um, like and subscribe, please. Uh, we're always looking for uh, feedback on uh, iTunes, on the page, everything. We're starting to get that now, so thank you very much. But until next time, Jobber's Court is adjourned. Thank you.